listening to Skylight, the Skylight Books podcast. Skylight Books is a general interest bookstore in the Los Feliz neighborhood in Los Angeles. You can shop with us from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. or visit us online 24-7 at skylightbooks.com. Follow along at Skylight Books Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and now on to the episode. Hello, my beautiful and lovely listeners, and welcome to Skylit. This is a Skylight Books podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so thrilled to welcome Sebastian Moya to read from his new poetry collection, Blue 2, and after, we'll have a conversation. But before I introduce him, I want to remind you that Skylight Books is now open for in-store browsing, but please, please, please follow the CDC mask mandate and bring your masks, and please be respectful of the customers and staff there, but come on by. You can also always shop online at online 24-7 at www.skylightbooks.com, where you have in-store pickup options and shipping. Sebastian Wilfredo Moya is a poet and a writer of fiction. He was born in El Paso, Texas, and occasionally raised in Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua. Moya graduated with a degree in narrative structure from the University of Southern California. Most of the time, he is bustling between Los Angeles in the borderland or other places. Sebastian, I'm so excited to have you on today. Hi there, Lance. I'm uh, delighted to be here. I really appreciate you making some time for me. Sincerely grateful. Love Skylight. You know, I've thank uh, you. been there before, so very excited to be on the show. No, no, thank you so much for being on. Um, yeah, no, you're, I'm excited to get into the middle of this, but you have a reading for us today? Sure do. Uh, I got four poems. I'm going to be doing uh, Bluetooth, uh, Rubble, Convivir, and O2-2. So Bluetooth is the first poem, O2-2 is the last poem. Perfect. I'll let you take it away. Rock and roll. Bluetooth. Like any other day, count evaporating rays. Will you be quick to capture photon rapture, chasing sundial bricks, stationary kicks, shadows well spent, sarsens and feathered serpents. They knew how to witness the inherited miraculous. What can be built on your empire of silt? Black too, colors hurried in a day buried, praying in witching hours for watchmakers powers to hold small hands and forget the sands. You are armed with a condition capable of amnesia and fission. Still, in the sun's rest, the hourglass in your chest. Acquiesce another end, never yielding bend, Bluetooth. I took my uncle to Silver Lake. He's lived in Hollywood for ages and hasn't seen what it's become. He says it's too difficult and I laughed it off. I told him about dance yourself clean in all the new ramen places. We passed the cemetery at the exit and he told me about the addiction and AIDS. WeHo in the 80s was supposed to be a haven. Home was too far away, except it wasn't. He counted eight funerals there. 
rehab, jail, the hospital, the worst places to be. When he was my age, he said he was like being a fireman that was crumbling at all hours of the night. All the famous bars are gone. The rent went through the roof. It's all indifference now. Forever young faces never got to chide that. They built over the rubble. I try to ask questions. I try to understand. There are too many stories, he says. Unfinished, but another time. At least the cemetery is still there. Can't turn a graveyard into a ramen shop. We kept driving. That's rubble. This one's called convivir. It takes some effort in those long Uber rides not to scroll through Twitter. Lord knows you never know. It's true we're all detectives scanning the details, a dream catcher, an ohm medallion, a rosary, a disco ball, any number of flags. For me, it's hard to ignore some clubes or a mustache. De donde eres? Ah, cabrón, hablas español? Simón, soy de la frontera. That gets a smile. That cuts through tense minutes when you're late to happy hour and your friend is visiting from out of town. I take my eyes from the estimated time of arrival and focus on the rearview mirror. I tell him El Paso is more than Breaking Bad or Sicario, o esas mamadas, mamadas, and that gets a laugh. I tell him Juarez is more than the murders, though it's difficult to see around them. I want to hear about Michoacán, Oaxaca, and on occasion, Jalisco, many times in Salvador, Honduras, or Colombia. ¿Tienes hijos? ¿Cuánto llevas aquí? Ya. ¿Cómo te gusta Gringolandia? And that gets a laugh. Always learn something new, a story, a lesson, a joke, but it's always, always. Nombre es muy diferente, muy diferente el convivir. I think about Brinca Brincas in front of gated houses on Vermont, wine tasting on Hollywood, Hollywood lawns, cigarettes with strangers that never smoke, waiting for my quesadillas at, at Leo's, brown bag birthday Hollywood star tours, catching up at a Dodgers game, $8 haircuts with complimentary pacificos and chisme. The bartender teaching me it's simply called the bow. The cumulative 93.5 experience when Boisterman sprawls from convertibles, summer months in full swing. Ya estamos güerito. Suerte hombre, en serio. Suerte mis huevos, tira paro. That gets a laugh in 30%. Then I hit the, the bar door and it's back to English. It's $8 beers, 12 with tip. We keep our distance from other tables. They keep their distance from ours. Es muy diferente el convivir. Se extraña? One last poem. O to two, which is the last one. O to two. Easy to forget incongruous moments shoveled in between sensational binary. On a purple sky is the hidden hour of a watchmaker's power. In the face of all that is, to hold the little pieces, putting moments together. You're equipped in a smile from a stranger, in your cousin's wedding, in a waft of curry on your way to work, in a child's distant laugh in Kenneth Hahn, in the place between the first and the second sip of a cold beer, in Disneyland from your mom, for your mom's 50th, in purple rain and traffic, in a funny story about your dad, in a drunken voicemail from an old friend, in the second letter from a distant lover, in the last chapter of your favorite book, and the second you choose your favorite shirt for the day. On a purple sky, 
as the atrophy of an orange in melancholy. It is your best fight against the fading light. Remember too, because it is you. There you go. That was great. Thank you for reading those poems. I was following along too. I was like, let me hear these out loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's, it was great to hear these poems that I've read. Um, how are you doing today, Sebastian? I'm doing sensational. Thank you for That's asking. Great. That's great. We're on, I was going to say we're on separate coasts right now. So, you know, this is a long distance podcast. <laughs> Long distance podcast, you know, we're always going to make it work. We're always going to make it work. work. And that's yeah. that's the beauty of, you know, technology now. <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, thank it's, you. It's already happy hour on, on this coast. So I've got my, my glass of Fernet. Perfect. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that you do the same when it's, when it's your time, <laughs> when you catch up. Around that time, I'll be heading into Skylight. So yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? Over <laughs> golden glass for net. Don't tell anyone I said that. I <laughs> I would never ever drink at Skylight. That's my official statement on that. Between um, you and the listeners. <laughs> yeah, to listen. That's my official statement. Um, no, Sebastian. Let's get into it. I want to talk about these poems. Um, they because they felt so personal in a very like specific way, a very unique experience. Um, while reading them, I felt just like this sense of identity, like not a crisis of identity, but like a introspection on your specific identity. How did that like come about? Did it, did you start off wanting to to like, not research, but like search for your own identity through these poems? Or did you like already know that that was, did you like come across it? Did, was that something that just came out of writing? Uh, yeah, I mean, poetry has always been my immediate coping mechanism for a lot of things. Um, I mean, it's, I think that a lot of the times we pick up the pen is because of, we're trying to express ourselves through the pain or through whatever we're going through. Um, but I am somebody that always tries to dig a little deeper into what I'm doing, trying to see what foundation I'm building for what's going forward. Uh, poetry is a great way to kind of check in. I call, I call it my metaphysical GPS. <laughs> it's just kind of like, what's going on? Like, you know, time, place, whatever, uh, checking mm -hmm. in on that. And by doing that, you kind of mine some good material and some good thoughts. And this is, yeah, this book is just like, what was going on in a very strange transition period in my life and uh, what it's like to be figuring it out in Los Angeles in your early twenties, which is, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> oh, do I know? Um, no, that, I mean, it didn't feel just like, you know, Los Angeles though. I felt like there were so many places in both geographically and time that it took that your poems take place in but also talk about like the poem that um you just did the rubble you just talked you just talked about no you just uh spoke um I feel like you were talking about I mean you tell me if I'm wrong understanding Los Angeles in two periods of time and trying to like put yourself in the perspective of that but also knowing that there's like a lot you can't know about too um how was that like trying to 
search for these answers like did you do you think you found any or do you think that like you're still looking i i think uh i'll, I'll tackle that in two parts i think that mm -hmm. trouble specifically it was kind of a reckoning with an older version of los angeles and what we experience now so i'm mm -hmm. obsessed with like the rainbow bar and grill and the burgundy mm -hmm. room and the specific old type of culture of Los Angeles that is like a dangling carrot for a lot of people, including myself, mm -hmm. where it's like, here's this old relic of what the city used to be. And then mm -hmm. you talk to people who lived in that era and they're just like, oh yeah, like all of that is gone. But specifically with, uh, with my uncle's story of dealing with, you know, the, the AIDS epidemic in Los Angeles and Mm -hmm. seeing you're like oh yeah it's all bright and rosy right you know this old school los angeles and then you just hear you know all these terrible stories of every era has something that affects them deeply right so you know it's never it's never it's never as we as we you know fantasize it to be and that mm -hmm. was kind of my answer that was that was like okay like it doesn't matter you know where you live or what era or etc it's 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 a, a moment where you realize like you just gotta you gotta live in the now you gotta we kept driving you know we kept we kept going mm -hmm. and that's kind of the point is you just keep going and and, and lurking looking and searching and for you know a second answer that i would give for did i find it um you know i you know you you find enough i feel like mm -hmm. i i feel like if you find if you find it then uh I, I think you're being a little too accepting. Like, I think like you, there's always a little bit that's like a sour taste in your mouth and you're like, that's okay. Like it's not to make, it's not supposed to make perfect sense, but it right. does right. make sense. And I think that I'm okay with that. You know, I, it's, it's a level of acceptance that you have to have. And also a level of like, you know, that hunger, that dissatisfaction and like, I want more, but you gotta deal with what you got. I don't know if any of that made sense. <laughs> No, I feel like I I feel like it does. It's like um it's very yeah, it keeps the the destin not it's not the destination of finding that answer, it's the journey, it's the keep searching, it's that um non-satisfaction of finding an answer, it's the satisfaction trying to find the answer, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I think that I that was a great answer for that. Um, but I'll keep I'll Thanks keep asking. You know, for me. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, no, that's is that the answer? Or are we going to keep searching for that answer? That's the question. Oh, um, that, that's that's meta. That's we're good. <laughs> is that the and answer see, of answers? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, the answer of answers, or is it? I, I haven't um, had enough for that. For that. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I think that's there. Uh, maybe I did have some for before I started this because. <laughs> That's where that's where it would take me. Um, something else that I really did like about your work too was, you know, something that I feel a lot in myself too, which is at being a black um, black first generation American. Um, this sense of like, I not knowing where you belong, like finding um, in that one. Um, that one poem you also just read, this idea of like, I go, I, I'm this person in this one space, but then I have to become this other person in this other space because, you know, that's the identity of being, having so many different cultures you belong to. And in that, the one, um, 
oh to two i believe i might have mixed up my <laughs> poems there but you were just like talking to that uber driver and having that you know great experience there and then walking into the bar and realizing you were like just becoming a different person there and did i say the right i did say the right name right Convivir is the, the Uber driver. It's Convivir. I mixed them up in my head. I'm so sorry. Um, listeners, forgive me. Um, no, uh, Convivir, like, yeah, it had that. And I felt it. I was like, I don't have this specific experience, but I've been in situations like that before where it's like, oh, there's a little bit of melancholy there too because you want to stay in that space sometimes. You're sad that you have to switch around. Was that something that like you wanted to explore in this work? Like just the idea of like, different identities in different places? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's It's been a big part of uh, my life um, is identity crises perpetually. Uh, Convivir is a specific example of, uh, of more of the joy of that, of more of the joy of being able to hop in. It's in a space like Los Angeles. So, you know, as a white sicken, <laughs> Uh, you know, and it's a very common term, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, you see me walking down the street and you're like, that's a guy whose family is probably too proud of being Irish or something. And <laughs> like, and then you're like, oh, and like, you know, somebody is here in New York, not too recent, or not too long ago. It was just like, uh, walk down the street. Somebody says something to me in Spanish and I'm like, hey, que, que pedo? like, yo soy español, cabrón. like I can immediately like switch into, you know, Mexican Seb. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a it's a weird back and forth that I've always dealt with. Convivir specifically is one of those ires of uh, convivir is my favorite word in Spanish. I think that I've, I, I established that. And it's a very interesting word to explain to people. It, it means, um, I mean, the closest thing you can come to is like hanging out, but like convivir, like vivir is live, like co-living. Uh, but it's a beautiful word that just means like, hey, like I just want to come over and live with you for a while. And it's just like mm -hmm. hanging out. Right? It's just literally just the way that you live. It's the way that you talk to people, spend time with people. It's a beautiful word. And being able to talk to people from different countries. I mean, Mexico is enormous. I mean, Michoacan, Oaxaca, Baja, like all these different places that funnel into Los Angeles, so far apart, but they all are like, but the convivir is different and something that we can all be like, yes. So when I'm in Juarez with my family, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's so funny when I explain to like my, my, my white friends, even though I'm white, but like my like white, white friends uh, <laughs> about like, yeah, we had mariachi over and they're like, ah, that's funny. And I'm like, no, like, seriously, like we had mariachi at my place for like four hours and, you know, sang and drank together and like convivir. And it's like a beautiful thing that like my family loves to do. And it's something that translates to a lot of other people. So it's, it is one of those weird moments that you're like, and especially in Los Angeles where it can catch you off guard where you're either like, oh yeah, there's this piece of me, which it never feels too distant, but it's just like, it's nice to dip my toes into that and then, you know, go to the bar with my white, white friends. And then I have my friends, I have my Latinx uh, group uh, that I hang out with in LA. And, you know, there's always a lot of back and forth. My next work that I'm working on deals a lot with identity um, and I'm working on that right now. Uh, but I think it's something that it's it's a fundamental part of being from the U.S. is like, what am I? And people who are like fourth, fifth generation Americans, that's why they like stick so firmly to like, this is our country. Like, it's, yeah. well, that's all they got there. That's 
they got the one they got the one thing and like god bless them you know but um people like you and i have this weird back and forth and so yeah a lot of us are like one thing you and i can relate to even though we have very different backgrounds is like mm-hmm. what am i and you're like yup <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean that's it's like and i was having i've had a conversation with a man who I will not talk too much about because he was definitely trying to provoke me in this conversation, but he was very, he was very confrontational on this idea that like, why do black people when they say black, it's capitalized versus white people, it's non-capitalized. I'm beca- and I was like to empower, you know, we've done a lot against black people in this country and it's to empower versus white. And he was very offended by that because he was like, I am uh, Armenian and that should not have to do and I shouldn't be grouped with that. I'm like, yeah, but that's the curse of whiteness too, in a way, in America, because it takes away that identity that, you know, you you are a part of a group out of outside the idea of America. There's a lot of, you know, everyone has an um, array of identity in them. And like white whiteness in this country erases that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean agree. Yeah. And, and there's so much to like, it's like, relax. There's so much yeah. to pull from. Like, oh, like yeah. I mean, you look at anything pre like, I don't know, like 1950s or 40s when, you know, African-Americans really started to, you know, come into the, the mainstream pop culture. It's like, you have, so, like, you got a lot of people for a long time, like relax. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk yeah. about, well, we, we can talk about, all the and it's like they never appreciate the cool people that have come before. It's always oh. like, yeah, you know, I just I just love this particular part of whiteness. And it's like you're not even like taking like uh pride in like the United States and all the things that have gone through it. It's just or like the mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 such a weird identity crisis that I'm just glad I'm not too much a part of. <laughs> no, I mean, it's yeah, same where it's like, yeah. I mean, it's something that I definitely, you know, and I, you might uh, understand this too. I did have to deal with, because there's like this, I, I feel like for people um, like us who are not, who are children of like different cultures and different cultures outside of America, especially, you have to deal with that at a very young age because it's in your face. It's something that you have to see. We're like, now, especially with like, you know, all of the movements, all these conversations about identity and borders and what this means. It's like a lot of other people who are older now are dealing with these questions where I'm like, I, I dealt with, I, I dealt with this. I've come to peace with who I am and what's going on in my life. And like, I'm sorry you're going through this now, <laughs> a lot older, but like, yeah, it's, I, 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 I have encountered those for sure. I, I mean, I'll say this though. My experience has been, I'm sure a thousand times easier uh, just, you know, from the color of my skin. I mean, I can mm-hmm. walk down the street and, you know, I, I have a very different experience than yourself, I'm sure. And like with me, it's more of like a peeve of like, I can't believe you didn't think I was Mexican. And then like my day is exactly the same. Whereas, you know, yourself, I'm sure it can just be so upsetting in a lot of different ways. So I'd rather not directly compare our experiences because it's a lot no, not easier. Direct. No, 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 no. Uh, but um, I will say though, and also growing up, I grew up in a border town. So mm-hmm. you had, you know, for me, it was I, where I went to high school, it was uh, the American football players who, mm-hmm. you know, had people like our quarterback would wake up every morning in Juarez and drive 
like what he would wake up at 5 a.m drive across the border and get to high school by seven so he's waking up at like 5 a.m um, and then if we had morning practice he'd wake up at like 4 30 to go to morning practice um mm -hmm. so like he was born and raised in Juarez and he went to our high school in the U.S mm -hmm. and then I had you know military kids um from Fort Bliss that were from Alabama Georgia etc and were mm -hmm. there in like Mexican population this like Latinx population right and it's mm -hmm. like I don't know. I got very fortunate that we, and I think we all feel that way is that El Paso is, a, my, El Paso Juarez is like a completely different world. I'm so proud of being Fronterizo. I, I, when people ask where I'm from, I'm like, I'm a border boy. Like, no sé de uno, no sé del otro. Like, I'm just from the border. Like, I've, and it's a difference of identity than being like, you know, especially in Texas where people have so much pride in that identity. And in, in Mexico, people have a very strong sense of, of pride as well, but being from the border is its own thing. And I'm very lucky to say I'm a part of that small niche. I mean, yeah, and that's, yeah, that's, I mean, it must've been an amazing like place to grow up and like, you know, amazing identity to carry with you to Los Angeles, which is also like, you know, there's there's that here in a way, not like the, the very literal border, but like a lot of people who, um, I feel like LA has its own kind of border in a way, it's a very own kind of like, these are the spaces where you grew up maybe in one culture, especially with like, I feel like this kind of, I mean, the conversation of gentrification now where people are like, this is the, I knew this town when it was this, 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 and I still live here, but now it's changing and I have to exist in these two worlds now, the world I grew up in versus the world that it's changed in front of me. But I mean, I might be just trying to reach into something that I, just something else here. But I also feel like this is a good transition. Um, this it leads into your poem a little bit, poems a little bit too, because there's idea, there's this, I feel like sadness in your poems that I <laughs> see in a lot of, yeah, yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. No, there's a, there's this like, you know, millennial sadness, this 20s sadness of like living in LA and saying, oh, I didn't get to experience this while being here. I didn't get to experience the the the, the ruins of the, what the ruins of LA were. Like, I didn't get to see um, this part of what the oceans used to be like, what the city life used to be like. It's this now, it's the coffee shops, it's these restaurants, it's these things I that I like, but I also, you know, am nostalgic for things I never got to experience. And I feel like it's a real thing. It's a real, I have those conversations with people all the time. You were like, wow, when I was younger, I used to do this on the street all the time, but now it's gone. And I'll hear it and I'm like, well, I never got to experience that. And now I'm sad I didn't get to. Um, can you talk about that idea in your poetry, which I, I feel like I saw a lot of in it? Yeah, um, I, I feel like it was, uh, I, I like to think my, my poetry references more of like this, uh, the carrot on the, the, the stick, the, the, the dangling this thing in front of us all that lot, like a lot of people about Los Angeles can agree or who have, who have lived there for a long time will just be like, Oh, I thought it was going to be this, and it was completely not that. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, it's an elusive uh, 
you know, dreamy place where, um, I mean, there's so many metaphors that have been made about Los Angeles that all kind of boil down to the same, like, I thought it was going to be this and we were led astray, whether it's about how movie set is literally like a fake background or um, the people that you meet who are actors or in the film industry are literally putting on a show. Um, tons of people have made that type of reference. But what, in my book, I wanted to talk specifically more about like the personal growth that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. the um, this version of myself that I was hoping to be in Los Angeles and how that version of myself uh, just didn't exist. It, it never mm-hmm. could, never um, was meant to be. And so it was less about the city at the end of the day. It was more about like what I thought the city could do for me. And mm-hmm. um, this, it just, it wasn't meant to be in that end. And you have to bring your own uh, aspirations for growth to the table. Um, so there are a couple of those, like, I mean, a country song for LA is like, yeah, my, yeah that, that one I, I just personally love because, and I like, I hate saying like, I love my own poem. It sounds very narcissistic. <laughs> no. That's, I feel like that's always, that's a um, myth that you can't like your own work. Like your own work. It's good work. There are a handful that I'm like, I don't have to burn these. Um, <laughs> there are a handful yeah. that I'm like, these, these can be seen. Uh, <laughs> and that's writing. That's writing. That's, that's what we live for. That's what we live um, for. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, a country song for LA is like a perfect one of just like, this was real, like, uh, like let's see here. I think I have like uh, stained dress shirts paying my arrogant rent. Is this busted pride worth every cent? I don't think that's a good stanza, but I think it's the truest uh, because it's not a good stanza. But I think I I distinctly remember like coming back from I was you know I used to I used to work this like white collar job, and it paid the bills, and I was just running back and forth all, all across the city doing dinners with clients and god and i always had these white shirts that were covered in like yellow stains and i was just like now i have to take this to the wall and then you know constantly on the dry cleaner constantly looking in the back seat of my car and i'm like what is this for like what what am i what is what is this like accomplishing and i think that's i think that's a that's a thing that everyone in their 20s should um you know or not should but does feel and you know, not that I would wish that on anybody, but I think it's something you should feel. You should question what you're doing, what you're what you're trying to accomplish. And that was my moment. And I just happened to make it a funny thing. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah. like singing, singing Purple Rain and the Pollo Loco drive-thru is absolutely a real thing that happened. Yes, um, been there. I probably was doing the same thing last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm being healthy, right? Like, yeah. like I'll just... I'll take the chicken skin off of it just, yeah. and chicken and rice. And it just, <laughs> you're just um, like, what? And then, and then that's what then question, what am I doing? What, what is this for? It comes to mind. And you're just like, oh God, I'm in the El Pollo Loco parking lot and I've been singing the same song for eight, for like just a good 20 minutes. What, what's happening? True, true. And then you, and then it's just, it turns into like a, a comforting thing, like a Pavlovian oh, yeah. response. I actually have a Pavlovian response uh, with certain songs that I'll hear that I used to listen to in traffic and I'll just be like, oh God. And I'm like, wait, no, it's fine. 
like like everything's okay but it's like a, it's like a it's like a get ready for the dread and i'm like oh wait no actually everything's okay or like yeah like purple rain makes me want pollo loco um ironically but there you go so <laughs> there's that <laughs> there's that sadness um and a but, part you know, of what? i mean a part of what you just described too was, sounded a lot to me like where you're saying you're this version of yourself never got to really exist and you had to come to terms with that. It sounds a little bit like grief in a way, you know, you're this thing that you thought or that existed for you in your mind, you had to like walk away from. And that is, I mean, I feel like a version of grief where you're going through like acceptance of that, the stages of grief. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> thank you. Um, I mean, but it's also like, a real thing a real thing that people should talk about more in the sense of like being being in your 20s is a lot of grief of like this is what I thought I was going to be this is why I went to school for this is what I um moved out to LA for this is what I uh thought was I was going to do and how much money I was going to make and what was going to make me happy and you had to like you know reframe it like make it a little bit change be more fluid in your mind but you have to also walk away from those ideas and I feel like, you know, that's, it should be talked about more. And I feel like your poetry I does. Agree. I, I think that's a fantastic take. Um, I think that's completely accurate. I, I, I think that um, you're right. There is a lot of mourning in this. Um, mm -hmm. our, I mean, can you, would you agree that our expectations have just been like, absolutely like juiced oh, yeah. up? <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, it's, I mean, it's, like how are we not both co-presidents right now like you right. and i should be co-presidents astronauts and oh, also yeah. uh and at least if not professional athletes aspiring oh mine was uh mine was a professional uh broadway performer like uh i was i would be doing like a nathan lane type uh <laughs> person out there in the world but yeah, I'm, you listen every day, I ask, my quest, I ask myself, I'm like, I could do, I'm like sitting on my couch watching these performances, like, oh, yeah, I could do that. I would be, <laughs> that's what yeah. I should have been. I feel like that's good, that idea, that like Sunset Boulevard type persona where I'm like, this is what I was and this is, <laughs> this is who I could have been while like smoking oh, 100%. cigarette. Yeah, and just, you know, it's, it's, it's real though. I feel like that's a, also to talk back to like the millennial idea, like a millennial thing of like questioning you know, why are we doing these things that we were told we should be doing? Why were we, you know, settling for careers that don't make us happy? Or why are we not pursuing our dreams in these ways? It's, it's in, it, it definitely is a generational like evolution of like, what is our personalities and what is expected of us? Cannot agree more. Yeah, it's, it's uh, expectations meeting it's such a it's such a strange um you can do anything mm -hmm. so why haven't you done it versus um i want to do what i want mm -hmm. so it's this strange fighting expectations versus knowing that um people are going to expect more of you regardless of the fact that like, <laughs> like are, are you and i going to be able to be like uh full-on homeowners with social security and mm -hmm. all these different all this like our like oh, it's the existential thing too is that like <laughs> no it's but so like, like, well, like it's a beautiful thing though it's like 
what I, and I, I talk about this in my poetry. I'm talking about this in some of my future stuff is that like, we have every right to be freaked out. We have every right to be like, what is going to happen? But like the more that I talk to people, especially after the pandemic, and that's what a lot of my recent stuff is thinking about too. But like before that, I could see that people had this like, fuck it. <laughs> like, like, what it, like what's going to happen? Like, like I could die tomorrow. I could live to be 90. The, the planet could explode. I hope it doesn't. But, you know, we could all die from global warming. We could all, uh, you know, like there's a, like, I mean, you could literally like, like if the pandemic, you know, just wiped everybody out or whatever. It's like, those are things that millennials are very conscious of, mm-hmm. which leads us to make good decisions and leads us to make bad decisions. But it's something that I am very proud of that our generation holds so close to the chest. Yeah. Um, it, it's something like, I talk to my mom about it all the time. I'm like, we're the most existential generation. And like, oh, yeah. that's going to create beautiful art. That's going to create yeah interesting people but it's also like terrifying (laughs) yeah it's like it feels like we're just like being given this um manual that says this is how things are supposed to be done and for the first time we're like why (laughs) we're like everyone's like looking through this like why why am i doing this asking that question of like there has to be more to all of this than just like the nine to five the the homeowners like you were saying like yes we would buy homes we'd have social security i don't i don't apart i i told my mom this other day and she was like what she couldn't understand it i was like i don't think i ever want to own a home i i like it in my apartment i like my space i don't want like this huge thing to take care of um that like becomes like a part of me and she was like what do you mean like you no you don't i you you want a house you want i'm like i don't think i do and maybe I'll change in 10 years, but like I, at this point, it's not for me. It's a thing that like, I think other people who want it, want it, but like, I should be okay with the fact that I don't. And there's like so many things that are like that. Um, I feel like the institution of like marriage is changing like that. The institution of, uh, you know, careers of uh, thoughts, like thoughts of like, what we should be doing or even like people who are uh intersectional in what they're doing like who are both are doctors who do stand-up comedy because they're like this what's this is they could be faint they could be an amazing stand-up comic but they're like you know just they loved being a doctor more or like i met someone the other day who's a writer but also is um a teacher like a great writer could be like uh, you know, is wants to further their writing career, but they're like, I never want to stop teaching. This is something I love doing and I don't want to ever do that. And you know, that's, it's different. It's a different thing than it was before. It's beautiful. I, yeah. I love it. You just meet so many more peop- interesting people and people who are like, like nobody is one dimensional. Like, yeah. I mean, I believe that people who are, even people who consider themselves one-dimensional or see one-dimensional have something else that they're not even realizing is something else they could explore. Before, obviously, like for the longest time, we were, you were grinding out the nine to five, you were focused on this, focused on that. Time was eaten up, time was appropriate in certain ways, but like everything has constantly been changing and keeping up with how much the branch i mean it's just exponential like it's, mm-hmm. it's exponential how much like people are able to take life into their own hands how they're able to do it what they're able to do with that and 
the personalities you'll meet, the people who have chosen different lifestyles. It's, it's just going to become more, you know, one day you're going to meet a uh, hairdresser, uh, you know, go-go dance. Well, I bet there's a lot of hairdresser go-go dancers. I'm trying to think of things <laughs> off the top of my head. Like hairdresser, doctor, go-go dancer, neon light creator. I'm looking at things around the wall. I'm trying to put yeah. shit Oh, like, I mean, I'm guessing like, you have a go-go dancer on the wall, just like a go-go dancer hairdresser. Just uh, that when you say you're just looking things around your, the wall, I'm like, do you have a go-go dresser just there? No, I mean, look, I'm not. I'm I'm a mysterious man, so you. Don't <laughs> up to you. But, Listen, there, no judgment. No judgment. No judgment. There's at all. things going on on these walls behind me, so you know, <laughs> I, I'm pulling from some interesting content. But the point stands. <laughs> the point stands that. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a very terrifying but interesting time to be alive, which has always been the case. So right. we're gonna be fine. But back to the poetry, which I feel like I've, <laughs> I, I I love this. Like, see, this is the, the this is the type of thing I live for. I, you know, I I go hang out with uh, like com, talking about convivir. So convivir literally for me is like like I said before, one of the most important the most important word for me in Spanish. One of the most important words for me ever. And like my favorite thing to do is literally. Drink for net. Sit like sit outside and just be like, let's let's bullshit this and that and the other, and uh, pulling from that and pulling from those conversations gives me a lot of uh, input for my work, mm-hmm. and it's something that uh, I feel like should be practiced more um, in our generation specifically. Um, yeah. So I hope that I think that I hope that does happen. No, I mean one of the things that I came out that I that came out of me out of hmm, jumped out at me when I was reading your work <laughs> I was like let me phrase this the right way maybe I am drinking for net right now um no one of the things that jumped out at me was like yeah this is something that feels very contemporary while also feeling like representative like representative of like you know feelings that a lot of people my age are having one like feelings that like me and friends of mine are talking about with each other like um you know just just things that I think are very important and are not said or you know not perceived in media like how I feel like there's always this idea of like people our age having these uh specific stereotypes like we're oh we're lazy we don't want to work or we're always we always want to like go out and blah, blah, but we don't want to spend money on like houses and uh what else i don't know diamonds is that wasn't that something that they were like millennials don't are making the diamond industry go away like stuff like that but this felt like oh no this we are just going through this we're seeing this change in the world firsthand because i feel like we we're so close to the past and so close to the future that we exist in a very weird middle where we're trying to survive and i felt that while reading this Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we're definitely in a huge gray area and it's hard yeah. to explain that without sounding whiny. And I hope that I can kind of talk about like, I, I have a, I have a couple of pieces that are about like, I have a, like, there's one about a long distance relationship mm-hmm. that is, uh, you know, peppered with um, references to contemporary life, but it's, it's the same story, but you know, a long distance relationship in LA is 35 minutes away, right? Yeah. <laughs> and 
it's this weird yearning that exists only in LA, but it's peppered in with like, yeah, but you know, you know what documentaries I like and mm -hmm. um, you know my iPhone password. And uh, I know that, you know, you're, you're wearing those Doc Martens that I like again, but those mm -hmm. are such weirdly specific things that point at the same thing that's universal of like the yearning. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that a lot of things that, everyone likes to complain about are things that were complained about them. And I think a lot of the things that we yearn for are universal and we're just expressing it in different ways. One of the things that I uh, talked about with one of my friends the other day <laughs> is uh, stories are the same point being made in different ways that are accessible to the person involved because for whom the bell tolls, even though I, I personally do not like Ernest, Ernest Hemingway, but uh, I don't like him at all, actually. Uh, but a friend of mine was reading him and he was like, yeah, the whole point of the book is like, you could die tomorrow and like, oh my God, like, what are we doing now? And I'm like, okay, so, you know, millennials are, you know, being, you know, hated on for that. And I was like, yeah, so like, Ernest Hemingway said the same thing as Drake when he said YOLO, of course, <laughs> the famous <laughs> phrase that we all grew up with. But like, the funny thing is that like, these different stories across time and space, whether it's Gertrude mm -hmm. uh, Stein or uh, Sylvia Plath, or I don't know, mm -hmm. like um, these different writers have always said the same thing in different ways that are accessible to you. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we are all dealing with. And that's part of yeah. what I hope that the book accomplishes. And, uh, and I mean, and it's all space. Yeah. But. And like, it's, that's so important. I mean, that's so, interesting to think about because yeah we all grew up with these same phrases but now we have to deal with so much more with them we have to deal with the context of them the context of like how those ideas have changed but also stick around and why they stuck around like why that Ernest Hemingway oh God, or uh, Gertrude Stein um yeah let's talk about them instead of it's just so funny yeah right because like, YOLO, YOLO and uh and this other writer have like the foot like have so much popularity and they point yeah. at the same thing but it's just like there's so many different ways to express like yeah like yeah seize the day enjoy the moment you only you only live once right. you die tomorrow so i mean it's wild i mean like james baldwin is someone i always go back to with that where i'm just like oh my god he's just saying something that i just said like two minutes ago but he said it like like 80 years ago 80, i mean 80, that's 60s, somebody i would love to have a class of that with oh my god. god you're telling me i would honestly to Boy, to like man. have a to like share a glass of fernet with james baldwin would be like a dream uh that's my like that's my time travel thing if i got to go back in time to like have a drink with a with anyone it would be just a glass of wine with james baldwin absolutely um, right he got it his stuff is contemporary and I always ask myself, why is it? Yes, it is. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, 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 I, that's, the, that's it. I just ask myself why. And that's so important though, too, in these days where I'm like, he, it's important to ask. It's important to ask why he's so contemporary today and what, what does it mean by like, has thing, have things changed or were, was his work just so ahead of its time or was, or both somewhere in the middle there? I, I don't know, but no it's- pressure. He just, he, he, he knew what was up way ahead of everybody else. He, he really did. And I'm so, he's one person I'm very sad doesn't like exist today to be able to 
just benefit from like, you know, and a lot of it was because of him. A lot of quite, a lot of things that, you know, happened today in a lot of ways that we've evolved is due to his work being out there and him being like, you know, open about his ideals and himself and his identity to the world. And that's how we've changed. And I just, I get sad that he didn't get to like also benefit from it. You know, I, 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 he's a huge, yeah, he'd, he'd be so interesting to talk about uh, now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he just, he'd be so disappointed in so many ways. I mean, he'd yeah. probably like go to, he'd like burn down an Amazon factory himself and just be like, oh, this God. cannot stand. And- I'm right next to him. I'm right next to him. I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, somebody's got to do something, man. This this shit's out of control. Also, yeah, buy local, everybody. Everybody who's listening to this already does, I'm sure. But (laughs) buy local, for God's sake. I had had to explain to one of my friends why saving $3 on and a day on shipping time is not worth, like, feeding the empire. I was just like, dude, I want my kids. I don't know if I want to have kids, but I want my nephew to go to a bookstore one day. (laughs) I don't want that to eat in the discussion but yes james baldwin <laughs> went down on amazon with us and he also would have been a great person to just like he would have really explored the contemporary landscape of of mm-hmm. millennial writers and been like it's talking about identity talking about what makes you you he was huge mm-hmm. on that he was huge yeah. on on self-reflection and on being able to be like i mean like when he talks about the oh my god in the in the fire next time when he talks about meaning the uh, the brotherhood and he's just like yeah, yeah like i i understand why i'm not a part of them but i get what they're going for like having that mm. strong sense of identity was probably so difficult to cultivate yeah. i don't know it's it's fantastic he's such a great no, example no. and it's 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 maybe it's that maybe it's the idea that he did have such a strong maybe that's the contemporary part of james baldwin was that his strong sense of his strong sense of his own self-identity because like you know it's it's wasn't it wasn't like it was supposed to be hidden it was something that like society told him this is not something you're supposed to like be outspoken about and share but he was like no i'm going to maybe that's a big reason why he feels so contemporary with his time because i feel like there's so much talk right now especially in your poetry too about identity and it's like it feels your poetry and i'll say this feels like a like a spiritual like great grandchild of james baldwin's work in a way oh that's that's too high a praise that's too high a praise i, I, no, I appreciate that sincerely no, that's, that's like that's that's i feel like important to say yeah identity is identity is and to all the james baldwin fans don't come after me don't come after me please i'm a huge james i was like baldwin i was fan. like yeah please please protect lance he, you know <laughs> listen I, I i don't know what it means to be african-american in the united states but you know no, Shout out to I appreciate that. No, no, it's just it's it's in in terms of I just I just plainly identity and being very open about identity in a world that doesn't in a in a world that at often doesn't want you to be uh, like very outspoken and very um, proud of your identity all the time. It just it feels like we're coming to a point now where someone like James Baldwin would be proud of us talking about our own identity and accepting it. I agree with that. I yeah. agree with that. And I, well, I think while burning that, down Amazon. Well, burning down Amazon. I think one thing, and you know, I don't know if, uh, if we're running out of time or anything, but I do want to make a couple of uh, points about identity in this book and 
a lot of other things is that like, you know, I, I'm uh, the, the poet scene in Los Angeles is, you know, wonderful. I love uh, what like, you know, not a cult is doing. There's a lot of wonderful people who have moved to Los Angeles who are doing their thing. I love what's a lot of what's going on. And I feel like honored uh, to be included in like, you know, a Los Angeles poetry scene, um, et cetera. But, you know, when I, when I made this book and I started handing it out to people, everyone's like, oh, wow, like you're a poet. Like you, like, I thought you were, you know, this, this you know, I, I was working my white collar job. I was this and that and the other. And everyone kind of knew that I liked writing, but, you know, I just made the transition over to, to writing and just mm -hmm. dedicated my, to myself full time. And talking to people about that transition and convincing people like, hey, like you should read my book. You should read my book. And they're like, okay, great. I'll read your book. And I'm like, no, but look at these other poets. Look at these other people who are out there. And it's not about like my identity as a poet. It's about my identity as a person. Like mm -hmm. trust what I say about these other people and know what other people are doing. It's poetry is a facet of everybody else's, of everyone's life, mm -hmm. uh, whether they realize it or not. When you appreciate a beautiful day, when you like feel warmth from somebody you meet on the subway, when you have a moment of, of pain and yearning and you just feel that beautiful, tender melancholy. We all feel that. So like, I'm happy that I was able to be the introduction to a lot of people to read poetry. And now I'm like, now go explore. There's so much more to see. There's so like, poetry is a facet of everybody's life. Go see what other people's takes on it are. We're all trying to say the same thing in different ways. So find which way is accessible to you because that's going to make a difference in your life. That's what's going to make you stop and smell the flowers every once in a while. Our, like, that's, I, that's what I feel like my job is. My job is to be a poet. My job is to introduce people to these things and to make these connections. So I hope that that works. No, I mean, I think it does. And I mean, even hearing that makes me excited for your next work and seeing, you know, how you grow as a writer. Cause this is definitely like, you know, a great starting off not even starting off but you know what I mean like a great way to introduce yourself to the world a great way to introduce your identity and who you want to be as a writer and I think blue too does a really good job of that so congrats <laughs> congrats and you know I feel like the readers of your book and you know of your for and followers of your work and the many works I feel like you're going to do in the future will definitely feel that same sentiment you just said. So thank you. <laughs> I just said a bunch of words. I hope that made sense. So I, I feel it, like that's been the theme is that I've, I've just been spewing and I'm hoping to kind of collect it all and just be like, all right, this is, this is what I'm trying to say, figure right. it out. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's, and that's writing and that's what writing is you just you got a listeners you got a very in-depth look into the writing process which is just a bunch of words honestly <laughs> like writing is like i have a million thoughts and i just have to make it a mosaic otherwise exactly. like i have a bunch of shards of glass yeah <laughs> which is also art which some people also might call art so you know art is subjective to whoever's looking at it so who knows that your next collection should just be a bunch of words and someone puts it together. Someone else puts it together. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'll just make a, I'll just make a, connect the, connect the words that when you circle all the words together. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, that, yeah. The poem will be in there somewhere, you know? Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's beautiful. 
<laughs> uh, no, Sebastian, thank you so much for this. This has been a great conversation. I oh, I like super, super loved your book. Um, wow, what a way to say that. I felt like I could have said that so much better, but I was, <laughs> my heart said, no, say it's, you had a, like, it's a super, super good time. Um, no, I did, yeah. I, I did. I had a really great time reading this and I felt so, I felt connected to your work. So thank you for that too. Of course, I appreciate um, it. No can, can I give a final pitch for my book, if you don't mind? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't mind. Um, uh, Blue Two is 52 poems, one for each week in a year. Uh, 13 poems per season. It goes with the seasons. It's a year of seasons in a city that doesn't see much change. <laughs> um, it's all about uh, dealing with yourself. And uh, I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, Blue to black too. And, and uh, I hope that you are able to enjoy uh, going with me on this journey through a year of uh, Los Angeles. So that's my pitch, um, but I, I wanted to get the, the temporal stuff out there as well, but yeah, I'm no, excited. I mean, a year in Los Angeles to some might seem like, you know, six years, especially this past year, oof, that was like 20 years in one. So what I'm I saying is, what a feat to, what a feat to, you know, go through the different seasons of Los Angeles, the as a person who's from the east coast of uh, the northeast which feels like you know an early spring and a late summer and that's it that's <laughs> that's we fluctuate between those two times but no thank you so much that was a great pitch um for your book a great i not even a pitch a great summary of like the sentiment of your book and i am so happy to have you on this podcast thank you again um before we go, though, I wanted to ask if you had any last things you would like to say to our listeners and the independent bookstore community as a whole, if there was anything you would like to shout out to them. Oh, I mean, always support local. Uh, Indie Bound uh, is my go-to for making sure that you can connect to your local bookstore. I mean, it it's like I said, do you, do you, like, you want to be that guy who's bitching about paying an extra three dollars and an extra day of shipping for your book to get there or do you want to be able to make sure that like i know my dollar is going towards people like yourself lance people at mm -hmm. the wonderful people at skylight things like that that like i'm an indie artist myself like i didn't go through a publisher i paid my money to print these books and it means so much to us when you reach out and pay that extra dollar or two versus, you know, feeding Jeff. <laughs> so help out, help out seven Lance and yeah. don't help out Jeff. That's, 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 that's my official word to the indie community and to any potential readers. Thank you so much. I sincerely appreciate you. Anybody who is not a millennial, I promise you like this book as well. <laughs> no, no, no. no a millennial conversation, but I promise yeah. you that there will be, like I said, all writing when it's trying to be vulnerable uh, mm -hmm. and, and truthful is universal. And I fully yeah. believe that. So I hope that you'll get a couple tidbits out of it. Find my book in Skylight, find it through me uh, at Sevestentialism on Instagram. Uh, Sebastian Moya is my name. And thank you so much, um, Lance. Eres todo, eres un amor, eres un gran ser. Nos vemos prontísimo.
And thank you. I And to our listeners, you can find Sebastian's book right now in our podcast display at the front of the bookstore. So please go there, check it out, buy a copy, buy two copies, you know, buy three. That's it. That's the minimum you can buy three. Um, and no, tell, tell people to go out and buy it and learn this. Just get engrossed in it and just discover Sebastian because you will be hearing his name. I would bet money on it. Um, but thank you again, Sebastian. Thank you to our listeners. You have a great, beautiful and wonderful day and do something nice for yourself today. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.